The following Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 13th, 2022. The woman in your life will do what she must do To comfort you and calm you down And let you rest now The woman in your life, she can rest so easily She does everything you do because the woman in your life is you and welcome to Women's Spaces. My name is Elaine B. Holt, and I'm your host. With me at the board is my friend, my partner, my engineer, and co-producer, Ken Norton. Good morning, Ken. Good morning. What a beautiful day it is here in Sonoma County. You know, every day I wake up, I say, thank you. Thank you for another day, another day to enjoy this beautiful, beautiful earth. Well, joining me in the studio this morning is Vestikovsek member of the Lower Russian River Municipal Advisory Council and chairs the Vacation Rental Committee, who is also a graphic artist, and her legacy is, is she was the founder of the Sonoma County Gazette, which she did was just one of these excellent, excellent papers. Uh, Vest and I will be in conversation about the shootings in uh, Uvalde, Texas, and talk a little bit about these common sense gun laws. Uh, I understand that there were some regulations passed a little bit disappointing because they're not banning the AK-15s. And also, they did not uh, say that you cannot buy a gun if under 21. They've made special provisions. I haven't had quite a chance to uh, analyze it, but it looks a little bit weak. But, you know, there's an old saying, better something than nothing. I mean, at least we're moving in some direction. The things that are so perplexing to me is millions of people we're on the March for Our Lives this weekend, and they still cannot pass comprehensive gun laws. You know, it's very interesting. It feels of late that the will of the people are not being considered. And we have to look at that and make more demands on our public officials that they serve us not themselves. Very, very interesting when you think about it. Also, we are going to be talking about the recent January 6th committee, which uh, has been giving us detailed presentation about what happened on January 6th. And I'll tell you, I am stunned. Every time I hear somebody talking, every time I hear somebody giving a presentation, every time I hear one of the people on the committee make some sort of statement, I say to myself, did this really happen in our country? I mean, it is, it is just mind-boggling to me. You know, I was thinking about the poor, uh, the Proud Boys. You know, all the energy they put into overthrowing a government. And when I think about it, they're family people. You know, they need good food. They need regulations. They need to be looked out and taken care of. What would have happened if they would have succeeded? Where would our country be today? It not only would have been a constitutional catastrophe, we may not ever, ever again had a vote since Mr. Trump, former President Trump, wanted to be president for life. I mean, can you imagine that? That's a dictator. That's someone who wants to take over and says, hey, I'm the boss. We don't need the Congress. We don't need the Senate. You just listen to me. I'm the one. Who, uh, uh. That's not the way our country runs. 
Well, I was curious about these two events. And, you know, one of the things that happens, there's not enough conversation going on in our country. We tend to sit in front of television sets and let them feed us with all the information instead of us going out, doing research, finding out what the facts are. And so I thought it would really be interesting if two women, Vesta Kobzegs and myself, would have this conversation and just talk, like two people just talking about what's happening in the world, what our concerns are, and just go back and forth in a dialogue, which I think are very important. Now, people might be curious, why did I choose Vesta Copesakes to do this with me? Well, first of all, Vesta is a journalist. I mean, she had the paper, the Gazette, for I think it was over, it was over 20 years. And she was doing all kinds of political reporting, all kinds of analysis. I mean, she, as far as I'm concerned, she has the bandwidth to have a discussion like this. In fact, whenever I talk to her, I learn so much because she does even more research than I do. And I'm, <laughs> I'm a little bit of a research nut. I mean, every little thing I do, I'm always looking. That's what I love about the computer. I mean, I remember when I was going to Sonoma State, it took me hours and hours to do a paper because I had to go to the library. I had to figure out which card to look, which, where to go, which section to go, talk to the librarian. Now, all I do is go into my computer, type in what I want, within three seconds, there it is. I mean, how much better can it get, folks? You know, with all the technology we have and all the improvements, I was thinking, a, a friend of mine had surgery, and her life was saved. And I was thinking to myself, what if we took all those trillions you know, since the Iraq war, we have spent trillions of dollars. Imagine if we would have put all that in medical research. My God, we could probably live to 500 years. You know, it's just, I mean, I don't know. We're, we're not thinking. So hopefully this conversation will help us a little bit. And remember, all shows are archived on www.womenspaces.com. And if you want to hear the show again or uh, tell your friends about it, that's where you go. But I hope this is going to be a very interesting conversation. And folks, I've got, I've got announcements up the yin-yang today. The first thing I want to do is I want to do a shout-out to my very, very dear friend, Pamela Chatner. Of course, we call her Pam. An amazing woman, and she was honored uh, with the Certificate of Special uh, Congressional uh, Recognition by the Santa Rosa Junior College President's Medallion. She's the President's uh, uh, Medallion recipient. And let me tell you something, she really deserves it. She was a hard worker. Her and her husband owned an insurance company. I think they're living in Palm Springs now, but she still comes into Sonoma County. And let me just tell you a little bit about her. She spent 30 years serving uh, servicing and championing the Santa Rosa JC. She shared their foundation board, co-chaired the 100th anniversary campaign, and chaired the Citizens Bond Oversight Committee for the $410 million bond. Wow. Also, she's a member of uh, EB, ADB, was able to create an ag marketing program, create SBDC, the Small Business Development Center on campus, and helped obtain a $10 million grant to build the new construction uh, training center in the Petaluma campus. What an amazing woman. And at the same time, she was also running a business. And, you know, I used to watch her and listen to her. I had her on my show a few times. And I say, Pam, where do you get all your energy? And her answer was, I don't know, Elaine, but someone's got to do it. And she did it very, very well. 
Well, talking about Santa Rosa JC, a shout out. Uh, 13 Santa Rosa Junior College journalism students have won 28 awards from the Society of Professional Journalists, SPJ, the California Newspaper Publishers Association, CNPA, and the Associated College Press, ACP, and the Journalism Association of Community College in recognition for the work on the Oak Leaf published during the fall uh, of 2021 semester and student con uh, contest successes during spring of 2022. The Oak Leaf staff also earned awards for news and sports writing and photography, copying, editing, and editorial cartooning. And what I found out is that their paper at the Santa Rosa JC has been operating since 1928. Now, why do I why do I want to do a shout out? Why is this so important? I'll tell you something. I was my got my AA in journalism and public relations and I remember when I won an award. I could not believe it. It really encouraged me to to finish my college, my my work. It was an amazing experience. So I want to say congratulations to all those students and congratulations to the Oak Leaf uh -huh, 1928. What an amazing, an amazing feat that is. Just to be able to just to be able to keep having a paper for that long is just amazing. It really is. Well, we got some real important announcements. You know, uh, tonight at six o'clock, uh, the National Organization for Women is going to be doing a special Zoom. Uh, it's called Save Athena House. They're gonna, we're getting all the what I consider, and I hope I, I am the treasure. I have to uh, divulge, and we have to be accountable. I am the treasure for the National Organization for Women here, the Sonoma County chapter, and also the former president. And I decided that we needed to get all the movers and shakers, women in our community, to gather and talk about this very important facility. This is a facility for women who are struggling with drug issues. Also, it's an alternative to uh, incarceration. And I'll tell you a little secret. I was one of the first staff when they opened their doors in 1977, and I was such an honor to be to be working. I mean, I would go in front of the judges and we would talk about bringing women into the facility, giving them an opportunity. And it was amazing seeing how many success stories we had. And, and Athena, you know, Athena is the goddess of war. And I forget the, there's another part, but she is the goddess of war and, and, and wisdom, actually. She has a little owl sitting on her, on her shoulder. What a powerful program it is. And what a shame especially right now with all the fentanyl issues that we have in our community, that that program should be closed. No. As women, we have to stand up for other women. You know, there's an old saying, there but poor fortune go you or I. You know, it's easy to judge, but you cannot judge another person until you walk a mile in their moccasins. That's my philosophy, because you don't know. You don't know. Circumstance brings us to different places. And I truly believe that every human being wants to do the right thing. But all of a sudden, certain things, certain little, you know, glitches in the road, whatever happens, and it's amazing to have programs like Athena House. So please join in. It's going to be tonight from 6 to 7.30. You can go on nowsonoma.org. That's nowsonoma.org on Facebook, and they'll have all the, uh, all the different details on the, on, the, uh, on the Zoom and how you get into it. But it's a very important program. And I want to see at least 
25 to 30 women on there. And I invited, I just want folks to know, I invited many of our city council members and many of our, so, our board of supervisors. And I'll tell you something, ladies. I hope you show up for the women. You know, I hope you show up for the women. It is very important. It really is important. Well, I've got announcements about Juneteenth. I mean, it is just amazing. I can't believe that it's another year has come, and here is Juneteenth. Let me give you a little history about Juneteenth. Juneteenth is the oldest known celebration commending the uh, ending of slavery in the United States, dating, eight, dating back to 1865. It was on June 19th that the Union soldiers, led by Major General Gordon Granger, landed in Galveston, Texas with the news that the war had ended and that the enslaved were now free. Can you imagine the slaves were now free? And it took a year to get to Texas, so these people were still under, under being enslaved and didn't even know that they were free people. Note, this was two and a half years, two and a half years after President Lincoln's Emancipation Proclamation, which became official January 1st, 1863. What a piece of history. You know, we have no idea of what our African-American brothers and sisters have gone through. But one thing, to not know that they're free for two years, to me is just, it's amazing. But it did happen. It did happen. And, and the sad part about it is, is that after the African-American people, the slaves were freed, they did some phenomenal things. They even had a whole city that was one of the most prosperous cities in the United States, which a group of jealous, envious, Caucasian human beings burned down. So, I mean, what, what human beings, just because of their color of their skin, have endured? You know, I love what Martin Luther King said. I, I long for the day when people are judged not by the color of their skin, but the context of their character. That's what I long for. And it's so important that we celebrate blacks and white come together and celebrate Juneteenth together because that is how we're going to overcome all this racism and all this fear of one another is by coming together. So I invite you, and it's another one of my hats. You know, I'm on the board of directors. It's just amazing. And I have to do a shout-out to our chairperson, Nancy Rogers, and her team has just done a phenomenal, a phenomenal job. In fact, today there's an actual excellent article in our local paper, the Press Democrat, talking about Juneteenth, talking about that this is their 52nd anniversary. So it's happening on Saturday, June 18th. It's going to be at the Martin Luther King Park at 1671 Henley Street in Santa Rosa. It starts at 10 o'clock, and what's happening, they're going to be honoring a man by the name of Vince Harper. Uh, Vince Harper was a community activist, and I'll tell you something, he, he was a go-to guy. You know, he was one of these people, hey, Vince, I need this. I'll, I, I celebrated Juneteenth probably the last 10 years with them. And there was Vince always there. And he also worked in the, uh, I believe it was the Community Action uh, Center and has done things, phenomenal things for all people in the community. I mean, he was just a wonderful man. And so what they're going to be doing, uh, one of my favorite groups is called the Hubbub Band. They're going to be leading a march from uh, Juilliard Park here in Santa Rosa all the way to the Martin Luther King Park in Santa Rosa 
uh, which is where the event's going to happen. And what I understand, because uh, the Martin Luther King Park Jr. is so close to the fairground, they're going to be having a country western uh, event, and they're really encouraging people to carpool or to make sure you find uh, parking around the area. But right near the park, it's going to be a little bit difficult. So again, that's going to be happening this Saturday. I can't believe another year. And it's our first year that we've been able to come out in the open. You know, for the last two years, they did marvelous Zoom. But, you know, we have to do something a little bit different this year. And, you know, we're going to have lots of activities. And that's why I say have a, I, got, I got all kinds of flyers. I mean, we're going to we're, there's going to be basketball. I understand there's going to be a domino competition a competition. I can't wait to see that. I don't know how to play dominoes. I know how to play rummy cube, but not dominoes. And there's, so there's going to be a basketball. There's also going to be a uh, what I would consider it's called a, uh, a wellness center and a vaccine clinic. What they're going to do is you can come in. They're going to take your blood pressure. They're going to talk about any issues you have. And it's all free. It's a family event. They're going to have vendors and I am proud to announce that we've got the police department as well as the sheriff's department having boots there, plus we have hired security. So people need not worry. It, the park is going to be very covered, and we're very, very much aware, very much aware of uh, the, some of the issues that are going on today. And you know something? What's so interesting is uh, Martin Luther King uh, Festival a lot of people sponsor, and I'm not. I'm not going to announce all the sponsors, but they're going to be doing a special. Uh, there's going to be a special uh, poster uh, listing all the sponsors. And one of the things we do is we encourage folks, please support those people. Pardon. Where, where does the march begin? Oh, the, the march begins at 10 o'clock at Gilliard Park, and that's there. Thanks a lot, Ken, and that it's going to be led by the Hubbub Band. And if anybody's ever been led by the Hubbub Band, they are F U N. That's all I can say. Lots of fun. Well, you know, one of the things we do every Monday morning is our, our history is our strength. Okay, and it's very, very interesting. Today is the 13th, but, you know, I have to go sometimes a little bit ahead. But on June the 17th, 1873, this is so wonderful, Susan B. Anthony's trial sets. What a woman. I mean, when you look at her, she's so plain looking. You can't believe that she's done some of these things. She illegally voted in Rochester, New York on November 5th, 1872. And a federal grand jury indicted her for intentional <laughs> casting of an... It was illegal for her to vote. They offered to release her on bail, but she refused to pay it and was placed under custody of a federal marshal. Her lawyer, a very good one named Henry Selden, filed for a habeas corpus uh, writ for her release. But the judge, of course, the male, refused it. Just for good measure, the Rochester police also arrested the voting inspectors who had accepted her ballot, and they all refused bail. You know, upon receiving a sentence, she was received a sentence of a $100 fine, which is roughly $2,150 in today's world. And they told the judge, I shall never pay a dollar of your unjust penalty. And, you know, she was pardoned, but it's just, it's just amazing. What a feisty, feisty woman. Well, you know, on June 15th, and this is a happy birthday, on June uh, 15th, excuse me, uh, 1916, and she made her uh, transition in 
1989 is Olga Resnick, a Polish immigrant, established the Olga Company in 1960. Listen to this. You're going to love this lady. Maker of women's undergarments and one of the first companies to offer employee profit sharing. Of course. We're always, the women are always ahead of the, of, of the fold. You know, amazing, but I'm just thinking about, didn't, I guess we didn't have any undergarments until she invented it. I mean, that's all I can think of. So that's really, these are really some interesting historical facts. But you know, there's another piece of history that is very important that we understand. And I want to do a shout out to Liz Cheney. You know, I do not agree with her, 85% of her politics. She's a little bit too conservative to me, and she's a little bit too, uh, too gung-ho about cutting taxes for the rich. <laughs> That's what, that would be my criticism of her. And she's also Dick Cheney's daughter. You know, that has a lot, you know, you know that plays a lot in my mind. I was not a, a big fan of his, let's put it that way. But she is standing up for what she believes in. And, you know, she's gotten all kinds of flack. I mean, she's running for an elect a re-election now. I mean, I I I'll tell you something. If I were in her district, whether I, whether I like her or not, I would vote for her just because she's standing up the way she I mean, if I was a Republican. I mean, it's so important what she's doing. I mean, she's literally helping to save our democracy and maybe improve it. Because once we find out how corrupt this all is, we have to work on change. But she's not alone, because there's a real interesting piece of history that I want to talk about. And I want to give you a little background on Liz Cheney also. And um, there's a woman by the name of Margaret Madeline Chase Smith. Okay. She was the first woman to serve in both houses of the United States Congress. <coughs> the first woman to represent Maine, a moderate republic. She stood up, excuse me, I have to get some water here. <clears throat> In the air, you know, we're live, folks. Well, I just took a water break, just like my little doggie. She likes water, too. Well, it's really interesting. She was a moderate, report, uh, a moderate republic. Her name was Margaret Madeline Chase Smith. She was among the first to criticize the tactics of Senator Joseph McCarthy in her 1950 speech, Declaration of Conscience. And it was the first speech that really challenged the American, uh, the Un-American Activity Committee. Was that what it was called? Un-American Activities, yes. Un-American Activity. And she was the first one to stand up against him and changed you know, changed the whole scene around that. Actually, it shut it down. Her speech started a whole wave of protest against what he was doing. I mean, when you think of the McCarthy era, I grew up during that era. I was going to high school at the time, and I was questioning. I raised my hand in my class, and I said, uh, Mr. Ritterhoff, that was my teacher. I said, Mr. Ritterhoff, why can't we uh, study uh, communism if it's such a threat? You know, I want to know. He ends up sending me down to the the uh, girl's vice principal, they start questioning me, they question the fact that my father was a union man. And what I found out, some 50 years later, 
is why they question me about my father is because in the 19, after the Great Depression and when they had the Great Union under uh, uprising, when people were fighting like dogs to get unions and get some sort of safety regulations and have a eight-hour workday instead of a 16-hour workday, many of those people were either socialist or communist. So in a way, the McCarthy era was to get rid of any idea other than what the, what the uh, political scene here in the United States is. And so what they did is they weeded out any people that were part of a, a communist group or a socialist group. But the thing was, it was a trend of the times. But it didn't matter. Once this group took over, they made all these people that believed in that, who struggled for unions, who struggled to do certain things. They called them communism. People lost their jobs. I mean, lives were ruined. And this woman stood up and... The wrath that she got from the Republican Party was amazing, the same wrath that Liz Cheney is getting. You know, Liz Cheney is a very interesting woman to me. She's the lone member of Congress in the U.S. House of Representatives. She was first elected in 2016 and is now running for re-election. It's, it's, really, uh, it's really interesting. And one of the things that has been coming up and we're going to take a musical break once I, once I make this point and then get into our conversation uh, with Vesta and I, is what oath, you know, they're talking about this oath. You know, J J uh, Liz Cheney talks about, I took this oath. we got to follow our oath. I took the same oath when I was serving on the Human Rights Commission. I saw our Senator, Mike McGuire, take the same oath that I took when I was uh, being sworn into the Human Rights Commission and the same oath that every congressman, every senator, everybody who works in government takes. So how, here is the oath. And they have it, usually they'll have their hand on the Bible or they raise their right hand. You know, when you raise your right hand, it's almost like you're raising your right hand to the heavens, to God. You're, you're making a commitment, a statement. So I'm going to read this. This is our earth. You know, the, uh, our oath. This is our earth. This is our oath. I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, and I take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and then I will, I will, that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which I am about to enter. So help me, God. So help me, God. In other words, if there's a higher power, if there's a great spirit, if there's an angel, whatever, you know, the Native, the Native Americans, they call it the great spirit, whatever it is. So help me to that magic, to that mystical place that we all live in and we all go to and we all believe. We all know there's something greater than us, and this is who we are saying, so help me, God. This is a very serious oath. When I took the oath, let me tell you something. There was times I sat there and I says, oh, you know, what am I going to make a big deal about it? And I remember that oath I took, and I would speak out. So this is very important. And when you listen to these people, 
lying or telling you misinformation. Remember, these people took an oath. That's why they were voted in to take care of our planet, to take care of our people, to take care of our country. You know what they say, one planet, one people, what heart. That's from Becky Hobbs' book. So there's lots to think about, folks. You know, and you have to ask yourself. You know, freedom is not free. It takes work. It takes standing up. It takes saying, being able to say, no, this is not acceptable. It stands up. It means to be honest when you support somebody, when you endorse somebody. You know, make sure you know, you know, who you're endorsing. And the sad part about our situation now is before we can even make a decision, we have to follow the money, which, by the way, is very interesting. What we heard on today's uh, uh, committee report, that Donald Trump and his committee raised $250 million, and the way they moved it, they, uh, they wanted or got it was by making a statement that the elections are phony and we have to have money to fight this. None of the money went to that according to what they found out and over, over a hun um, $1 million went to uh, some of his cronies. So it's a very interesting thing and I really encourage folks to sit down and listen to parts of that, uh, to that Kerry committee. It's, it's riveting and shocking and SAD for sure. Well, we're going to take a musical break. And, you know, time goes by very quick, but we're going to have a good half hour for Best uh, and I to have a conversation. But I'm going to play a song. It's called The Prayer. And why did I pick that song? You know, everybody says, oh, prayer, you know, prayer, prayer. Well, you know, so I believe in prayer. I, be, I believe in, I don't necessarily say I'm going to go to God, I go to the Great Spirit. But kind of prayer is asking for safety, ask for, you know, good news, ask for someone's health. You know, it's, it's a way, it's a meditation, it's a way to get in and to, to kind of make a connection with whatever you believe in. But this song kind of outlines the way I feel. You know, and my biggest prayer is, is that we all wake up to the reality that our country's in trouble. And that we also wake up to the reality is at the beginning of our Constitution says, we the people. That's you and I. We vote. We have a right to demand. And like I always say, remember, our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. If we don't wake up, I'm sorry to say they don't have much of a future. Okay, Quinn, let's go ahead and play the prayer. And when we return, I will be talking with a dear friend and one of the most intelligent women I know, Vesta Kopsake. And we'll be talking about the, the, the uh, January 6th committee as, as well as gun control. So let's go ahead, Ken. Just where we go and help us to be wise in times when we don't know. Let this be our prayer. 
guide us with your grace to a place where we'll be safe. I pray we'll find your us to our grace. Oh my goodness. You know, the first letter in grace is G for God, for graciousness, for gratitude. Anyway, for you just joining in, I want to remind my listeners the opinions expressed here are not necessarily the opinions of the station, its board of directors, its members, or women's spaces. Well, welcome back. You're listening to Women's Spaces, and I'm your host, Elaine B. Holtz. You know, Elaine B. B stands for I'm doing the best I can, a beautiful child of the universe, and be here now. Without further ado, I want to introduce my guest. Joining me in the studio right in front of me is Vesta Copesakes. Welcome, Vesta. Welcome to Women's Spaces. You know, be welcome. (laughs) That's so wonderful. I love our conversations, and this time we get to do it on air instead of over the phone. (laughs) (laughs) I know. It's going to be fun. Before we start, I want to tell my... My listeners, just a little bit about you. Is that okay? I love bragging about <laughs> oh, you. Oh, can I stop you from doing what you want to do? I don't think so. <laughs> Vesta always says, Elaine, I don't want you to introduce me by starting out this way, but I have to because this is her absolute legacy, <laughs> and she's never going to leave her. Vesta Copesex is a former publisher of the Sonoma County Gazette. I mean, she took, she took a... A, a, a house organ and turned it into a major newspaper in our community. Uh, she building her publication both in print and online. She believes her mission is to connect people, share knowledge and experience and love of our home. Her community service uh, experience includes Forestville Chamber of Commerce. She was board. She was on the board. She was vice president and then again president. The Forestville Planning Association, she's a founding a founder and board member. The Forestville Education Foundation, she's also a founder and board member. Friends of Forestville School, she's a board member. Big Brothers and Big Sisters of Sonoma County. And also she's a member of the Russian River Municipal Advisory Council and she chairs the Vacation Rental Committee. And She's retired from the paper. It's so special. Which is wonderful. And she looks about 10 years younger <laughs> than the last time I saw her because she has no more deadlines other than that she had to be here at 1050 this morning. <laughs> That's right. So welcome, Vesta. Welcome oh, to my pleasure, believe me. <laughs> well, you know, Vesta, a lot has been going on this month with the shootings in Texas uh, and, oh, and God, in Buffalo, New York. I mean, you know, we live in a, we, I'm part of a black community and, and there's a lot of elders, you know, and when I saw the people in Buffalo, New York that were shot, I could not help but think of the beautiful women that I know here in Sonoma County that are black and that are just as involved, grandmothers and that, that whole yard. You know, 
talk about your feelings. You know, you, I, I think that it's important as two women that we, we let people know how did you feel when all of a sudden you hear of 19 children slaughtered, police inadequately taking care of it, you know, and then all of a sudden this, this whole city just in peril, and now we can't even get real strong gun laws passed. So tell us, what, what do you feel about that? Let's talk about that a little bit. Well, the first thing is, you know when um, a, a, something happens in your life where there is a death of someone who is intimate to you, and how when you learn of that death, how it sucks the insides of your body out, you feel like someone just put a big vacuum cleaner onto your heart and sucked everything out. It does that it's a PTSD thing that occurs because there's so many people who've experienced something like that. Like when my father called to tell me my brother had been killed in an accident just last month, the police showed up at 1.30 in the morning to tell us our son had been killed in a head-on collision by someone who was on his cell phone. And that's why our son is dead. So you, the first thing you feel is the experience that you had. And then it, moves and expands out to empathy as a mother grandmother you never get to see those people again that's part of it and part of it is oh my god these people suffered in today's press democrat and i've seen this before are letters from physicians who've experienced what happens with an assault rifle to a body it's the one that got me today was the doctor who said these these children could not be identified by their body parts other than their DNA except for the cartoon shirts they had on their bodies when they went to school that day. That's my kid. I recognize the shirt I put on him this morning. How phenomenally horrendous this is that these AK-15s, is that what they are? Um, The assault rifles are allowed in our society. And I think because they are not meant for shooting um, people. So it's it should be stopped. That should be stopped. It just hasn't gone far enough yet with the laws. Well, it's really interesting that we were, I was watching an interview with uh, one of the gentlemen who was, a, you know, a real gun advocate, and they asked him, why do you need the AK-15s? And what he said is because they shoot prairie dogs. I saw that in the and paper. And then all of a sudden, <laughs> all of a sudden, hold thank on. You. Thank you. He's going to get this correction. AR-15. Thank you. Thank you, Ken. Oh, my God. It's I good know. to have See, a co-producer. Let me tell yeah, you. We really know our guns, right? No, we don't. <laughs> <laughs> Never owned one in my life. <laughs> but they said, you know, there was a, a headline that said the AR-15 is more important than our kids. Well, especially the part where, okay, it's the same people who are trying to keep embryos alive through being a viable human being, and yet you're willing to kill people once they are born. I'm sorry, this doesn't make any sense to me. The logic and reasoning is out the door. Well, it's just like the, the rigged election. Uh, well, that's, yeah, and that's, that's no, like... No, I mean, it's, 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 they tell people misinformation, and this would get everybody all excited. That's why you need to do a little bit more research. You know, I want to throw in a little bit about my feelings here, which I think are really interesting. Oh, honey, always. But what, what, what happened to me was, is I was at Costco last week, you know, and I saw this little girl... She must have been about nine years old, little Hispanic girl, the cutest thing you ever saw. You know, you can tell that the, the, the pride of the mother with the little braids and the little, you know, the little ribbons and everything. She was about eight years old. 
And all of a sudden, I flashed thinking about these young kids because what she was doing, you know, Valde is, is mainly Hispanic. Yes. So, and a lot of them do not speak English. Or you have the children that interpret. So here's this little woman, this little girl, eight years old, interpreting for her mother. I mean, it, it was just an amazing sight to see. I just burst into tears. I mean, when I saw this little girl, you know, because and I have a little girl, and I have two, I have two great grandchildren, I have two grandchildren, and two great grandchildren, and you have grandchildren, and all of a sudden, my great grandchildren are not going to school. So, what are your thoughts? I mean, how do you feel? So that that was the feeling that is evoked in me the the fear of of having to send your child to school, the fear of some nut who's under twenty one even that can just go in and get a gun and decide, you know. He can't even buy a pack of cigarettes, but yet he can buy a gun to go and do this horrible deed. So I just wanted to throw that in. Well, again, to the illogic of it all, let's arm the teachers. <laughs> oh. I mean, seriously. It's like you guys are going backwards. You, you understand, start with the guns and then work your way out. But what is so rational about an AR-15 in a hand, the hands of anyone? It's totally unnecessary. Under a war situation, I guess that's part of the deal. You just blow people to bits. But in private life, in a citizen's life, this doesn't make any sense. But also when you're talking about during in the war, before a soldier can even be issued a gun, they have training. Yeah. And they check it out. They have to sign for the gun. I mean, there's so many regulations around that gun in the Army. I don't understand. And well, Are we infringing on their Second Amendment rights because we're demanding they train and they can only use these are weapons of war? Well, the other part of the training does involve having some self-control. So how many times has someone in frustration said, I just want to kill da-da-da? It's an emotional reaction that we all have, but we have self-control. We're not going to do that. We have all the consequences that we think about oh my god i don't want to the, the misery the jail etc etc but there are people who don't have that barrier of self-control they've lost it especially if they've crossed over the line into rage and so what do you do how you give them a person who's crossed or doesn't have self-control period especially a young person don't don't give them weapons i do i think that the the age needs to go up to 21, but I think, take it further, just get rid of the assault weapons. Just ban they don't, Just ban them. Just, I mean, the people keep putting forth the Australia laws and how Australia eliminated mass killings. And it was 36 years, and they've had four or something. Um, and what, what do you consider a mass killing? Four people or more. Uh, it's We've had 236, I think it was. Since, um, since, since, since Buffalo. Right. Yeah, just oh, not, no, since, since the, since the Evaldi. No, I, that's, I think, the first, anyway, <laughs> statistics. Too many. If you have four in 36 years versus 236 in six months, you've got a problem. <laughs> well, you know, you know, one of the reasons that I, I wanted you to come on and engage with me this way is because you do have a political background. You've dealt with politicals. You know, you've dealt with people that run for office. You've run, you've You've run, you know, you've run stories of those who made promises and reneged on their promises, and all of a sudden there's a blow up in the community. I mean, I just think of the Andy Lopez situation, the way that was. We have 85% of the population, that includes Republicans, Democrats, gun owners, the whole enchilada, saying that we have to ban that AR 
15, that there's no need for it. It's a war weapon, and yet we can't get our politicals to move. Well, the bottom line is we have to vote, and it comes down to that over and over and over again, how we vote. So the people who are apathetic about voting, if you feel strongly about this one issue, then it's time to look at your candidates and vote candidates who share your value system. And that's one of the problems is that the uh, people who are, I, I hate to narrow it down to the Republican Party because there are very, very good Republicans, just like Liz Cheney and, and Adam Kisniger, those kind of people who do have traditional value systems of Republicans. Um, but the current Trumpism by Republicans, those people are, have lost their minds. I swear they've lost their minds. They're going into a, a place of fear on everything. Now, we know that in politics, fear has always won elections. That was one of the things Henry Kissinger even spoke about when they were all running with the Nixon and all the rest of it. It's time to take the fear card out and hand it to people so they go uh, weak on crime, etc., etc. They always have something. They're going to make people be afraid and then vote. So, okay, let's say the uh, liberals slash Democrats progressives have the fear card. What is the fear card this year? The fear card is autocracy. Look what Putin is a perfect example of someone who said, I don't want elections anymore. I am your president for life. That's what got Trump all excited. Well, if he can do it, I can do it. So, and then who are these people? both Trump and Putin and other these kinds of dictators, they're narcissists. When you look at what narcissism is, it's basically the inability to put yourself in someone else's shoes. You always say, walk in my moccasins. I can walk in your moccasins. I'm going to know what it's like to be you. But these are people who are in incapable of compassion and empathy. So if we were to vote by our value systems, and our value systems are compassion empathy, then we vote for people who have compassion and empathy, no matter what political party they are. Well, you've made some very good points, and I think there's a lot to think about. So I'm going to end this segment. <laughs> okay. Let's end this segment about the guns. It's very, very important. And, you know, I just want to encourage people, write your congressmen, write your senators, write your local people that they write them. And register to vote and vote. Vote. And, you know, I, Vesta... So far, it looks like our county, or even the overall county, is 18% turnover turnout. Of course, they have not counted all the votes. There's thousands that they figure is going to be maybe a 32%. 32% is still not enough. Too it, much should be a, it should be 100%. We're a democracy. you know. And the thing that I don't understand, and I, I'm going to be very, very critical, we have an opportunity to do mail-in ballots. All you do is get the ballot. On your way to work, you drop it off at your voter registration or some of the drop boxes they have. And there's no postage. It's free. It's it's a, it comes in the mail, and it's free to send. I had a little discussion with my neighbor who's, who's very, very right-wing, and he said, mail-in ballots, that's this wrong. And I said, well, what about your mom, who's 93, who really doesn't leave the house anymore? Well, she's an exception. Well, what about disabled people? Well, they're an exception. I said, but you've never lived in the city. You don't know what it's like to have to have bus fare, to get on a bus, to go to a polling place, to wait in line, to vote. That costs money. If you don't have it, you might be choosing between a meal and voting. And maybe you'll say, I don't have the time, I can't get out of work, whatever you happen to say. You won't be able to vote, but that mail-in ballot allows you to vote. And in California, it goes to everyone, not just people who have signed up for it. I think that on Lincoln's birthday, 
that should be the day we vote because it had a lot to do with emancipation, getting the black people to vote at the time, and that would be the day that we all vote. And uh, you can't, in a democracy, you're not supposed to say it's mandatory, but I would put, I would say it's not mandatory, but it's a must. The first letter of mandatory is M will say must. It's a must-do vote. So let's go ahead. Let's take our vote. Uh, let's take our vote. Let's take a, a break here. And the song that I'm going to play which I think is, you know, Ken and I go back and forth on this song. It's called Politic Kills, and it's sung by Mao Cho. And the problem I have is I cannot find a woman singing it, but I found <laughs> him. And I think it's just something, this needs to be, as we saw, politics kills. Why? We can't get gun controls. This kid, maybe. We don't know for sure. There's no absolute guarantees. But possibly, if he went to buy that gun, Maybe would have said, no, you're not 21 yet. So let's go ahead and play Politic Kill, sung by Mao Cho. And when we come back, I'm going to continue this wonderful conversation with Vesta Kopesakes. Uh, and one of the things I'm realizing, Vesta, is the clock is running out. Go ahead, Ken. <laughs> amazing to me politics kills in all the different ways you know not it, making gun control laws that's another way of killing me you're saying hey it's okay shoot it up anyway welcome back you're listening to women's spaces and i'm your host elaine b holt and i'm continuing my conversation with vesta kopsakes graphic artist and member of the lower russian river M municipal council where she is a board member and chair of the vacation rental ordinance committee and we're continuing now we're going to talk about her impression and my impression of the june 6th uh committee that has 
because this is the second meeting they had this morning. So, Vesta, talk a little bit. You've been watching the you've been watching the January sixth. What well, what kind of impact is that? What kind of message are you getting? And have you learned anything new? I mean, is this shocking to you, or is this just something you already knew? Well, I think the first thing is that um, I, I watched the first one, but I, it, I haven't watched the one that came on today yet. Um, I had I literally started to cry. I'm sitting in my office watching this on my computer. Uh, went into Democracy Now! so I could find the just, the hearing, as opposed to the commentary. I didn't want commentary, I just wanted the hearing. And the videos of the violence that we had not seen on media before that went on and on, and you it, it has that uh, impact, emotional impact. So I've approached this top topic from intellectual perspective, you know, what went wrong, when it went wrong, how it went wrong, etc., like that. But the emotional impact, I find, is the part where what I used to use in journalism. If you want to get to someone's mind, start with their heart. If you impact their heart, you have a better chance of going to their mind. So I appreciate that the hearings are impacting my heart, which I hope would impact others as well, so that we can go to that next place where the facts are laid out. And so many people just simply ignore facts, but these people are making it, um, so you can't ignore the facts. Why did it break your heart? I mean, what was it about? What was it about that, you know, it, it did the same thing. Like I said, when I was in, when I was in the, in the, uh, in Costco, just from the shooting, looking at this young kid, when I think of war zones, you know, all the different things. And then I think about the people that are suffering today because of what happened. So what, what do you mean by heartbreak? Why did that heart break your heart? Well, there are two things. There are people suffering right there on camera, um, such as the young woman who is the oh. uh, the Capitol Police officer. And she, she said it was like a war zone. So I see people suffering and I see people hurting each other. And that always breaks my heart. I just, I don't understand how you can hurt someone like that. The bat, the beating, oh my God, they're beating people and the buildings, etc. But the big thing is, what, this doesn't happen in the United States. This happens, these are coups that happen all over the other the other world. We're always saying, oh, it just can't happen here. And there it is. It was happening in our country by people who were calling themselves faithful Patriot. and patriots. Uh, uh, Mind-boggling. And then let's take it to the next level where our leaders don't do these kinds of things. What I mean, okay, I had zero respect for Donald Trump. I've never seen such an in, heard such an inarticulate human being in my life in a leadership position. You're supposed to admire and respect your uh, leaders, and they are above you, not below you. And this man is just despicable. So here are these people who are following the despicable human being who is basically trying to overthrow our country, and it's so obvious to those who pay attention to the details but there it is on your screen there it, you see it happening just like in these third world countries that we go oh my god that's just horrible that it's happening over there and also you hear that he got proper information he was told that there was no problem with the le uh, uh, the election over and over and over again and he still to this day is still talking about it being corrupt. Well, he has to. He, he created a lie. And one of the things that liars do is they have to back up their lie. They have to believe in their own lie. And this is simply typical of a narcissist. A narcissist will 
create their own reality and then constantly adhere to it. Just like loyalty. He demanded loyalty of the, among people. And thank goodness that Pence saw the line when he did and actually became president when the president was not doing his duty. So one of the things they said about the hearing today and as the rest of the week is that they are going to prove that Trump was derelict of his duty. That part that you said about the oath that we all take. I took it for the Lower River Mac as well. It has an impact when you take that oath. You really think seriously about what you're doing, that you are in a position of authority in essence. But also, you know, when I looked, when I took it, you know, because I believe in a higher power and I believe in a great spirit, I really felt like, oh my God, he took the oath and you can't. Well, my love, we've got to wrap up. We've only got about two minutes left. So so not like when we have conversations on the phone. What, would, what kind of message would you like to send to the American people about the about what's going on? I mean, encouraging to watch it. What, what do you what do you hope the impact will be? Well, first of all, pay attention. It's really really important to pay attention to this and take it seriously. Do not wipe it out as something insignificant. It is hugely significant. And when the politicians say that this is democracy versus autocracy, right now we have a perfect example of autocracy in Russia and Putin. Do we really want to have a government that tells us what to do and how to do it, right down to whether we have children or not? It's time to pay attention, big time. Well, Mexico, thank you so much. I mean, it's just amazing. We run out of time. We tried to hand, uh, handle two topics. Sometimes I think I just have to stick to one, but you know, <laughs> I'm always ambitious. These are connected. It's politics. <laughs> well, <laughs> well, that's it for our show, folks. A special thank you to Vesta Kopsakes, who's a graphic artist and member of the Russian River Municipal Court, and her legacy is that she was the founder and editor for the Sonoma County Gazette, and I want to thank her for the bottom of my heart. Remember that all shows are archived on W www.womenspaces.com Reminder, tell your friends Women's Spaces will be aired again at 11 p.m. tonight, and I'm so excited about that. A special reminder, you always know that our children are the future, and we must never lose sight of that. And when you're watching these committees on January 6th committee, ask yourself, what happened? What would that have done to the future of our our children? This is Elaine B. Holt. You've been listening to Women's Faces, and I look forward to being with you the next time. Previous Women's Spaces show was recorded on Monday, June 13, 2022.